Too Many Comics, episode 155. Brooks, we are back and live again, but not in person this time. It's kind of sad. It is sad. Great, great seeing you as always. Sure thing. And, uh, you know, it's never long enough, but that's just, uh, that's just life these days. Then speed the breaks. I know. But, you know, I'm going to try to get home more often, I feel like. I'm going I'm to do that. Well, now that you're not sinking money into a house in a place you don't live, you could spend it on a uh, airfare. Airfare, here we go. That sounds fair to you. <laughs> but for real, but I mean, it's you know, summer's here. The time is right for dancing in the streets. Well, I will and, say, and I'm not sure if you saw the follow up, but Ryan chimed in on the Facebook post and said that he didn't think in person would change the show much, but it did, and it was good stuff. I did not see that. He said that. Yeah, and it said it, it inspired him to rewatch regular show from the beginning. So thanks. Oh. Wow, that is big. Yeah, well, even that we new sh- comic wasn't that sh- great, so just watch yeah, you know, know. Even though we shill over that book. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it wasn't that great, so just rewatch the show. I mean, to me, it was it, it was what it was. I was not invested in the show in the first place. I knew that you and your other buddy from back home, you know, that was your thing. So I could see why, you know, a, a missed fire would be that much more like, nope, not for me. Yeah. Well, segue... Uh, in a couple years, there's another new show that we're going to have to watch. What is it called? Gideon Falls. I'm excited about this one. But also, like, there's, just, there's so many shows like this coming out. It seems as though every good comic now is going to be made into a TV show or movie of some sort. And this is just the next one in line. So what have they said so far? I did see Jeff Lemire's retweet of this by like the Hollywood Reporter or one of those. Anything beyond just the announcement? Not really. I think it just uh, the rights were purchased. Lemire and Sorrentino serve as executive producers, whatever that means. Um, you know, it's going to be it's Hive, line, Hive Mind, whom I don't think I've ever heard of. What is that? I don't know. Some production company, I guess. Um, but, you know, whatever. Uh, another fun book that we're reading that could be a very good TV show if done right. So, yeah. I did, by the way, this is not in the notes. I was also investigating because I saw this, well, I saw this news and I was always very excited by it, but also like, don't get too excited because we got time that the Umbrella Academy is going to debut in 2018. So I do feel decent. We're in July now. That's, that's number seven of 12 months. We're running so, out of time. Yeah. So I feel like that that's a good thing. I, we, we've, we've seen not a single still, not, not a, not a teaser. Yeah, I feel no. like there's going to be news relatively soon. I mean, I'm ready for be. it. Let's go. Been and ready. don't tease me like, the, like they did with the New Mutants movie where we got a trailer. And they're like, <laughs> psych, psych. Nope, not yet. So I, I do I, I do look forward to uh, to that show as well. And the fact that it's on Netflix means I can actually watch it unlike the others. So what do you think about the potential rumor of Avengers 4 title of end, was it Endgame? Endgame do you think yeah. this is true? Does it does it really matter though? No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what the title is at all. No, it does not. And also, it's one of those things where, like, and maybe you you're a newer ish reader to comics. I we we got ten years, so you know you're not that new. But like compared to to me, who's been in the game for a while, where like certain covers are nothing but covers. They they, they give you nothing into like what's happening in the book. It could be a completely abstract image of people from the book doing something that does not happen in the book so that's what i feel about titles these days have you experienced this yet where there's a there's a cover that happens for a book that you read and the book itself is like what was the cover it means it means nothing to me yeah 
It had nothing to do with the action. I don't care. The only thing the cover does is entice me to buy books that I otherwise wouldn't have. But I'm just saying, sometimes the covers have nothing to do with the innards. Yeah, and that's, and that's fine. That's the, yes, but that's also annoying. I want it's to like see a fake trailer. That's right. <laughs> we are revisiting old themes here. Anyway, so uh, I, I, I don't get that invested in stuff like the title. I mean, Infinity War, what could it be about? Endgame, is it really the end of the franchise? I highly doubt it. People yeah. are making too much money on this. So we've talked recently about the new Luke Cage season and the Cloak and Dagger show. Uh, I still have yet to watch any of the new Luke Cage. I will get to it. I'm all caught up on Cloak and Dagger. But there was a little note about a connection between the two that you, you, most people probably missed, and that being Detective O'Reilly uh, having mentioned by numerous characters about her time um, in Harlem and you know that she's now in New Orleans, and I guess the Luke Cage season makes note of Detective Riley no longer being in Harlem and or something about her ending up in you know, Riley moved to New Orleans, so... It's still all connected. And, you know, this is a stupid little throwaway, but, you know, it's always fun when they do things like this. I do like that as well. And, by the way, uh, Luke Cage's place of business is very close to where I work, by the way. So what are you saying? That, that's it. I, I mean, it's also, not, <laughs> it's also not like a real place. They, they definitely dress it up for the show and then dress it down when it's in the off season. So that's there. Okay. So, I, I don't. That, that that's all I'm saying. All right, that sounds good. So, how intelligent is Thanos? So, this was a Reddit thing that came out. A, a friend of mine is like all about the Reddit all the time, to the point where, like, if we have a conversation about something and I have knowledge that he might need, I'm always like, AMA. What do you want to know? Like, literally in real life, ask me anything before before we dip into like. Uh, casual talk what do you want to know about this particular thing that i know information about so the question is like how intelligent is thanos compared to somebody like tony stark is he a genius is he just powerful what do you think my guess is that he is probably beyond tony stark i mean that's what i'm saying on top of the fact that he has the mind stone and that's nerd uh, english right there it's so I, I I think so too. I mean, I, mean he, I feel like any of those characters that exist out in the space world and no way more like when you compare Tony with you know all the tech and everything that Rocket Raccoon has and you know the types of things that Guardians are able to do that you know they make fun of his old tech and you know I just feel like they're probably all way more advanced than the Earthlings. Oh, nice. <laughs> you don't hear that and the super powerful much. being has got to be smarter than the rest of them as well i, I would say I, so. I, w- I would say you don't get to that point in your uh villainous career without a little bit of brains yeah you can't be a that's, dummy that's what i think i mean listen i that i have nothing to back that up i'm just saying that yes i think that he is probably uh intelligent at least on a scale beyond as you would say an earthling <laughs> because all Tony's got is planet Earth. Thanos has been around the galaxy. He's seen and experienced way more too. <laughs> and experience counts for something. So mm, certainly does. anyway, so I'm not going to put this in the Reddit uh, or the subreddit or the comments or what have you. But my thought is, Thanos, despite me being uh, annoyed by how he has treated our characters that we've grown to know and love over the years, is probably pretty smart in addition to being physically powerful. Agreed. Okay, so we discussed this last week, and this is true follow-up. So you made me 
quickly freestyle some who would I put on Mount Rushmore of my comic people from the day. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I it's, it's not – the people that I put on there, I'm not saying that they're not deserved of praise and legendariness and everything else. But probably not the ones that truly should be there for me. Have you thought about this at all since the show? I'm surprised your brother didn't comment on this. I yeah, really expected a, a little bit more because I realized there were at least a couple creators that I didn't think of off the cuff when we were talking about it. Um, and I took the angle of still of these are, you know, more current people actively creating. This isn't like a Mount Rushmore to put, you know, Stanley and like the inventors no, of no. it all. This is, you know, who stands out to me right now that I must read their stuff, that they're my favorites at the moment of these, or not even at the moment, maybe it's the past 10 years of stuff that I've read. So that's, you know, full disclosure, that's the angle I'm taking on my Mount Rushmore of comics. Okay. So have you rethought it at all? Is, this, is that too much of a, yeah, no. Another? So it's, it's still Brian Kavon, obviously. Um, and why am I going to now draw a blank when I'm thinking about it? It was Brian Kavon for me, uh, at the moment, I mean, Damian Wayne is my favorite character. And I have, for the last four or five years, thoroughly enjoyed everything Peter Tomasi has written about him. Okay. Batman and Robin through Super Sons. You know, I'm going to keep reading his whatever he's got planned for Super Sons next. Um, you know, I would uh, I would have to put him up there. Um, I got you know Lemire's probably maybe slightly on the outskirts. I I, I did get did give a lot of credence to a creative tandem of McKelvey and um, Karen Gillan. Okay. Because I I really enjoy the Wicked Divine. I look forward to it every time it comes out. I really love their Young Avengers. You know, those are two big books that I've read uh, recently. That I'm a big fan of. So it's, it's Brian K. Vaughn. It's Peter Tomasi. Uh, for me, and, and you know what got me into Damien, and probably the the only like straight long form of a character that I read was Grant Morrison's Batman. Um, and then his Batman Incorporated stuff when I first really got into reading. So I, I think I would put Tomasi, Grant Morrison, Brian K. Vaughn. Hmm. I think the fourth is probably where I struggle. Okay. But you got things like, you know, Karen Gillan McKelvey are there. Lemire's there. I, you know, I've loved what I've read of Bendis' stuff, even going back to, you know, some of his older, like Avengers Disassembled and all that kind of stuff. So he he might be up there. Uh, and I'm, I am intrigued about what he would do at, at DC as, as he moves forward. Um, and then maybe just of, you know, a recency bias for might be Tom King. Okay. So here's where I'm at. And I, I, I you know, th- everyone that you've mentioned is indeed quite talented and uh, has really made their mark in the biz. But at the same time, you got four. That's all you got, Right. So I'm going to go – and this is going to sound largely consistent with what I said before, but for a few tweaks. One, Jim Lee. So Jim Lee was – the first comic book I ever bought was Uncanny X-Men number 268. We've mentioned this on the show before. Uh, on the cover of this was Black Widow, Wolverine, and Captain America. This was a blend of a, of a, of a flashback story, but also uh, this is during a time when the X-Men were not really a team proper and it was Psylocke, Jubilee, and Wolverine, and Madripoor, which we'll talk about later. Um, this dude could draw – like he, he – his art was so iconic in the X-Men history, separate from what, what he can write, 
now he's huge in DC. He's basically running the show. He drew like trading cards. I mean, just the whole thing. He was like a, a appointment reading. Jim Lee, great. Okay. Um, I to this day I stopped following him on Twitter because it was all about like his family stuff. That's the only thing I had about that. <laughs> and nothing to do with anything I wanted to read about. Love that guy, Brian Michael Bendis. Another one. Whatever this guy writes, and we discussed Superman in a recent. Uh, uh, episode where he's going to be doing this I would read it his recent Defenders book that he did uh, uh, Jessica Jones mm-hmm. like, all of these things are just so awesome how could you not if you're a, if you are a, at all a, a modern reader not take this into account Brian K. Vaughn Why the Last Man, Ex Machina Saga Runaways Runaways, um, Paper Girls. That what was the one book we didn't like in Canada? That's we the stand one. on guard. That was not one of the better ones. But, <laughs> but I just saying, like, just when this guy has a book come out, you pay attention. And then finally, this is one you may not have much of a, a register on. Chris Claremont. So this is the only one that probably is has a, a, a like a foot in true yesteryear. Chris Claremont is a writer that worked primarily on X Men books. For a long, long time, he has created so many characters, a lot of female characters, actually. Rogue, Psylocke, Kitty Pride, Phoenix, Mystique, Emma Frost, uh, Sabretooth, who's not a female, um, Captain Britain Forge. I know that we make fun of that guy, hmm. Gambit. So this guy has like, put a real foot in that. To me, again, the X-Men is my childhood. That's one where I, I got to look back and say, you know, he, he, because he's he's so um, prolific, some stuff hits not as well as, as others. But when you look at the at the actual, you know, what he gave to this whole thing, that's it's you can't deny it. So those are my four. Okay, that's uh, that's very respectable. Thank you. So if, any haters out there, I'm surprised we didn't get any hate about what I said last time. Because there were, there were a couple of new school people there. Well, now yeah. the I think the hate that we would get to a widespread audience and maybe something we could revisit on a future episode is, okay, um, now how about artists? Oh, yeah, I could do that for days. Yeah. For, for LZs. All right, so let's, let, let's, let, let's jump right in. Right. Debut review. We, we had two. I've got... First up, Multiple Man number one. This is from Matthew Rosenberg and Andy McDonald. Um, to, to cut on time, I won't read the full summary, but hey, Jamin Madrox, Back from the Dead. Uh, was he ever really fully dead? Um, you know, I had... So going into this, I have, you know, limited knowledge of Madrox. Um, whenever this was announced uh, on Marvel Unlimited, I think I read the an, an older uh, take on, on, uh, on him. I forget what that book is. It was, was it, it might've just been called Madrox perhaps. Anyways, I, I high hopes for this one due to it being Rosenberg due to it being a, you know, kooky character, you know, a, a five issue limited series that I could get into. I feel like it started off. Well, there were some, you know, funny quips when he first gets there and starts interacting with the X-Men that are there, you know, they're talking about him and he pops up and, you know, happens to be awake. But then I feel like midway through it kind of just like went off the rails and I'm not quite certain you know, I don't know. It was just, he, he comes in as every character ever and there's about to be a huge standoff. And, and I get that, you know, that's a to be continued right at that point. But, um, I feel like there wasn't enough to, to build him up and 
give me the the dialogue that I'm looking for out of a Rosenberg book. You know what I've always loved so much, and you know mainly out of um, Poor Kids Walking to a Bank was the dialogue between the characters. And yeah. I was I was expecting to get a lot of that out of out of Jamie, uh, and didn't get it as much in this first issue. Um, you know I wouldn't hate. I, I still want to read this when it's done because of who it is creating it. And because it, you know, I'm guaranteed of it being just a five issue limited, limited thing. Uh, but I would just say that, you know, it, is, it didn't hit as high as I had hoped it would on the first issue, but uh, I'm definitely down to, to read the five issues when it's completed. So you make a good point. So, you know, I, I I've been reading Madrix and the book was called Madrix, by the way, Okay, um, for, for a very long time. This was, this was written by, he, he was written by Peter David for years uh peter david you know sort of brought matrix out of like obscurity to do that five issue run and then wrote for him for x factor for a very long time i also used to confuse peter david and larry david for a long long time i do (laughs) I, i i do know now that they're different people uh something to me just fell off it felt i mean i realized that so in this case this is not actually jamie matrix whose powers is he can create duplicates of himself and they all have some unique qualities unto themselves. So this is not technically, if I'm reading this right, the Jamie Matrix that we know. Jamie Prime is what they call him, so, which explains why this character is a little bit, a little bit jokey esque and a little bit lighter than what I think, what I, what, what I thought I was going to read. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's still it's like this isn't. It's, it's something's not catching for me. This d- didn't feel as frankly as good as i thought it was, I, I, as, I, as i thought it was going to be so yeah and that's making... you know it was high hopes because of who the writer is how much we've liked the recent stuff and, and like i said just uh you know i think we're both always down for these different angles on these characters that aren't you know you, that you don't find in the full books um and it just you know it's fine that it didn't hit where i thought it would i mean i still think it was uh you know it's a decent comic but um yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely interested to see how it plays out. I mean, I'll give the benefit of the doubt before for who the creator who, who the creator is, you know, see where it goes. Maybe more story builds up in the next issue, um, you know. And it's been hit or miss. It, it seems on the on the reviews on the interweb. So it's got a seven critic rating, which I think is a little harsh, and an eight point yeah. two user rating. So I'd, I'd probably put it somewhere around that, like seven point eight, maybe like slightly below an eight, but definitely not not all the way down to a seven. I mean, that's yeah. a solid C. Yeah, yeah. What what is it you always say about C's? They get degrees. They certainly do. So, <laughs> but but again, overall, as much I mean, I like the cover, I like the cell, I like the writer. Just something wasn't right. D- didn't hit all the way around. So you know we'll see. And if you happen to read this collected down the line, let me know. I just don't think I'm going to try and read it monthly that way. Even yeah. though it, it it is an intriguing concept, but yeah. Okay, second uh, number one of the week was Charlie's Angels number one out of Dynamite. Uh, we picked this up solely on the uh, on the creators. This is writer John Lehman of Chew, uh, artist Joe Asma from Morning Glories. You know, two creators that that we've you know seen in the past have enjoyed their work, and uh, you know I had made mention that I wanted to pick it up basically to support Joe. I'm a big fan of Morning Glories, uh, and I think you probably know. Yeah, and he was uh, on the show friend of the show you're probably gonna know what i'm gonna say is that browsing through this which is just a you know it's a light-hearted 
comic that, you know, seems like an episode of Charlie's Angels. I mean, I don't think there was anything special here. I mean, if you were happened to be a fan of the TV show or any sort of variants of Charlie's Angels, you probably would, you know, like the trip down memory lane <laughs> of reading this and being greeted to that sort of entertainment. But it just it makes me miss Morning Glories. I mean, the characters... It, obviously it's the same art style it 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 makes me yearn for yesteryear of reading <laughs> seeing joe's work on a consistent basis uh to characters that i was heavily invested in uh as opposed to something like this and again that doesn't make it a bad comic again if you're if you're into charlie's angels or just want you know a lighter comic read it, it's perfectly fine it's just uh you know it makes me miss something better okay i actually like this one i really did and I learned – I happened to be um, – I was downtown on Saturday. So I, I sauntered into uh, Midtown Comics downtown on Fulton Street. Uh, that's such a douchey way to say that I was in New York. I'm sorry. That's where I was. I didn't realize that this was a bigger deal than I think I thought it was. And that's also really? a lyric, doesn't it? Yeah. So there were like a lot of variants. They, the store ordered lots of copies of this. I didn't realize that was like the thing. I, didn't, I mean we kind of fell backwards into it. But I mean, so there were a bunch of, like I said, variants and everything else. I liked it. I think that it was light enough, and when you factor in the quality of the writer and the the familiarity of the artist, that uh, you know, it's it's five books. Is that right, or am I reading that wrong? Is it- yeah, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But yeah, it's a it was a, it's going to be a short series. I think that that's. I mean, I thought it was all right. I think some. I, I've been firing books. We'll talk about that later. But I could I could see myself. I think even just because, like you said, missing uh, a Morning Glories kind of book, that I would consider this as well. Right, I that's think. respectable. I, I I think it's good. Have you, I, I hate to put you on the spot. Have you looked at how this is doing in the old uh, comic book roundup? Uh, I had just closed it. Let me go back to the history. Recently closed tabs. Here we go. There it is seven point eight critic and seven user rating. Ooh, that's not good. All right, so there's only four user reviews though of the eight. Eight critic reviews, seven point eight. So you know it's up there as a B. It's being dragged okay. down by three point five from Bleeding Cool. So yeah, yeah, it's not right. Most of the reviews it, have been favorable. It is not a three point five. No, it was perfectly fine. Okay, cool. All right. Okay, so there you so go. For next week, we have another dual dual number one, uh, starting with Catwoman number one out of Jolil Jones. Did I say that correctly? I mean, I, I think so. Okay. I never never. Uh, DC Comics, obviously, the wedding night's barely over, but Catwoman's back on the streets, this time to expose a copycat who's pulling heists around Gotham City. As Selina cracks the whip on her former criminal cohort, she's attracting unwanted attention from one of Gotham's most dangerous groups. The mob? Nope. Try the GCPD. And as if the Bat Brad didn't have enough problems, don't miss the debut of an all-new villain determined to make trouble for all of nine of Selina's lives. Don't miss the start of an all-new monthly series written and illustrated by Eisner Award nominee Joelle Jones. So I put this in here because she does Lady Killer and Lady Killer 2. And she is writing and drawing them both. Joel Jones. I mean, I, have you ever read that book? Uh, no, Killer? but I have, I've definitely seen it numerous times. It is so good. It's so well done. And I, 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 this book is half as good. It's going to be great. I realize that he probably can't pull the same punches that he can. I'm sorry, he, she can. She, the writer, she, the character. Because you know, DC is corporate. But again if she can inject some of that edge into a book like this, I'm in seriously. I'm always a fan of 
books being written and drawn by the same person too. I think that's interesting. So, um, and the art looks, looks super cool. Um, from what I've seen from the previews of this. So yeah, yeah. I'm, in, look, I'm definitely interested in checking She's this out. She's super talented, Joel Jones. I'm serious. I mean, I'm serious. All right then. I don't uh, really get about things like things like comic books. It's <laughs> important to me. Elsewhere, we've got out of IDW, Low Life's number one. In the seedy Los Angeles underworld, lives intersect like freeway overpasses. When a crime boss's poker game is robbed, three lowlifes, a bad cop, a drug addict, and a haunted thug attempt to stay one step ahead of the others as redemption or destruction is their only ticket out. This is written by Brian Buca, Buccellato. Art by <laughs> Alexis Sentinac. I'm sure I fucked both of those up. I, I just I love the way you <laughs> do this. I really, I mean, you're good in so many ways, but just not in the accents. All right. Well, I mean, I just, you're better at math than I am. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into what we read this week. Okay. So I've got uh, Teen Titans special number one. You might have saw a lot of news about this one as sort of a, a number one annual type type issue that dove into Red Arrow, Robin, and Kid Flash uh, separated stories. Uh, I basically depicted it up for the new stories around Damien and, you know, did he potentially shoot someone or use a gun? Uh, the the book sort of leaves that open ended a bit, so you you don't quite know if he did or didn't. Uh, you just know at the end that he's going to be leading a new group of Teen Titans. So I assume I'll be on the hook for buying at least the first issue of that and see if I stick around. Unlike the the last rendition of Teen Titans, but so uh, we've got that to look forward to. Okay. Uh, Image Plus Volume Two, Issue Eleven. I always talk about this as being, you know, a great read for someone who just wants to pick it up. It's a buck ninety nine. It's like sixty some pages of interviews, previews. Um, of note in this issue, there was a good, um, a, an in depth sort of how what goes into creating a comic. It was it was called From Script to Shelf, and it was uh, Jonathan Hickman and Nick Dragota and. Um, Karen Gillan and Jamie McKelvey. So East of West creators, Wicked Divine creators, you know, cool just to see the process of, of what goes into making panels and, and page by page and whatnot. Um, of notebooks that are coming out. Rob Guillory has one called Farmhand that looks kind of cool. Uh, Scotty Young has one coming out soon. Uh, so stay tuned for some of those that will, will likely be um, debut reviews on this very show. I'm excited. Saga number 53. This is a good one. This book is so good. It's still, it's still. I mean, how Brian K. Vaughn is on the Mount Rushmore, obviously for you know, uh, good reasons. And, and when we do the artist one, Fiona may crack, 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 <laughs> may crack one, if not both of ours. Um, you know, lots happening in this issue. Not, don't really want to spoil anything, but you know, the last panel, the the will is back in full force. We got. You know, potential character deaths everywhere. Uh, you know, lots of story progressing in this one and, and some very tense situations. And, uh, you know, just uh, happy to see Goose still out there. I need to go pick up my plush doll of him that is waiting <laughs> me at the comic book shop. <laughs> I don't want him to perish anytime soon. But that, did you, uh, you obviously write the letters, right? Yes. Okay, where he's like, that's one of the most positive questions. Please don't kill him. <laughs> that, that, again, that's very nice. But we did get a bit of a shocker on the last page. I'm curious where they're going to go from here. Yes. Given what was what was what was happening, I've right. been wondering actually what would happen if something like that happened. And it it, it did. So we're going to find out. Well, thank you, Alan. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the Wicked Divine, number 37. So I read some reviews on this where the reviewers were pissed that like eight pages of this were black panels. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of it that you could just breeze right through. Though, I'd, As I'm looking at Comixology right now, it has it at 40 pages. So did it make, did it compensate for that fact in print form? It, it may have. Um, I will say, you know, they do, these two do stuff like that. Um, as a storytelling process, it's, you know, I wouldn't expect that many pages of blank going around, but you know, when they're, I just like that they're creative about, about things, you know, one issue here that does something like that, whatever I did enjoy the battle sequence. And I've, I've said numerous times of how I read this book specifically panel by panel, um, and comiXology and the battle sequence underground, uh, all the colors and, and fight scenes of that, uh, when done, um, landscape what was pretty fantastic. I dig it. I feel like this book is also coming to a close. Yeah. Yes? It's, very, it's very close. Okay. Well, but I have enjoyed it as well. And I, you know, you got me onto this when you were well into it and I had that thing happen where I could just read, 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 read. And now I'm current. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, it's so much better to just knock it all out. Just power through so many, uh, so many pages. Um, and the last thing I got to was descender 31. Speaking of books closing, this yeah, was news. and I, you know, I have not read any news on Descender or anything whatsoever, and I could tell as I was reading this, I'm like, okay, either something big's going to happen and it's going to transition into another arc, or we're getting close to the end here. And I was completely uh, surprised to see that this book is ending next issue. It's sad, surprising. You know, it, it, I think it's 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 exciting because it's one of these, you know, and, and yeah. you know, they just came out in, all in this week. So Saga, Wicked, Divine, Descender are three things that, you know, three long books that I've been reading from the beginning of, of all of them. So it's exciting to see one of these come to a conclusion. And, it you know, it's it's almost like a dagger in that we finally saw Tim 21 and Andy reunite and we're only going to get two issues of them being together. Uh, but I'm excited to see how it, it all closes out. I've loved this book. <laughs> I, this is an example of when things go out on top. This, I mean, it, here and there, you know, it's taken its time. It's had a couple of like B plots happening, um, but I feel like, um, you know, as sad as we are about this book ending in in one month, we're 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 we feel good about the whole experience. And it's such a good book. Yeah, yeah. I can't and wait to I, see I, how it ends in July. Well, just in case you right. thought they were taking a break or anything, it did say final issue coming in July. I'm this is a book that I will buy in hardcover. By the way, I think they have already put out one big hardcover. They have? maybe had sixteen issues in it. I'm fairly certain they did. So I assume they'll just put out a second one at some point. This is something I'd, I'd like to have on the shelf. A hardcover book? They are you sure? I'm. Fairly certain I have seen it. I'll search right now. Okay, well, um, I could uh, soft shoe while you're doing that. Uh, it's great. I do have a uh, Descender, Descenders. the Deluxe Edition, Volume One. How much? It's on Amazon right now for thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four. Collects issues one through sixteen, so that is, uh, you know, there will be two of them. I like that. I just buy that on the air. Do it. I just made by the way. What did you get to this week? 
All right, so beyond what you already talked about, so um, it's official. Uh, so I read Old Man Logan number 42, which was promised to me as being the conclusion. But it wound up being a conclusion of the storyline of Craven the Hunter, who's been around for a million years, hunting Wolverine in the Savage Land, which is this area of uh, Antarctica that somehow has dinosaurs and things. Are you following me? I know. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it it, it it it's ended, and so have I. I quit. I I I've unsubscribed. I I'm I'm so done. And I actually read some review of this where the writer had said something along the lines of, "It's clear this book is winding down, especially now that Wolverine proper is returning to the Marvel universe. Old Man Logan doesn't have much of a place anymore. So you know they seem to be taking the steps of you know punching out their time card." But okay. I don't give a shit. You know, what though? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just not good. It was so good when it started. This again was Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. I remember when it but, started. But it's not that, but it's not that anymore. Yeah, it's long so since that. So I have, I have quit that. Uh, old Man Hawking number six. This one I've been enjoying. Actually, speaking of old man books, this one's been has been doing a very nice job of Hawkeye in the future. He's now working with, with Kate Bishop to basically avenge, no pun intended, you know, the sins of the past by tracking down people, the Thunderbolts mostly, who, you know, fucked with his shit. So I've enjoyed that very much. And we did learn – I saw this as well. There was talk about – if you read the original Old Man Logan way back, Mark Miller did this book. There was a T-Rex that was bonded with a Venom symbiote. 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 <laughs> Um, and we actually learned how that happened in this book. So that was kind of a cool like, throwback of yesteryear. Uh, I did read Hunt for Wolverine, uh, Mystery of Madripoor. This is one of several offshoots done, um, sort of waiting for Wolverine to return proper. Jim Zub is writing this uh, art by a guy I never heard of. Sorry. This is all, this is an all female book, but Silic happens to be in it. So I read it. It's, I, I enjoy it well enough, but you have, when you read books like this that are like an offshoot of an offshoot, you know that whatever happens in this book is not really going to be Doesn't matter. Felt. Yes. Yeah. So, Silex dead. I don't think so. Not in this book. That's, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. I read a book out of um, Comicsology Unlimited called Spidey Schools Out. You've not read this? No. So this is a, a book where Spider-Man is clearly in high school and he's at this camp that Tony Stark has had a part of, and it's fine. Uh, Gideon, Gideon Falls number four. You didn't read this? Uh, didn't we talk about it last? Did we? Week? I think so, yeah. Well, I see it read on my uh, progress thing here. So, yeah, this was last week. So that wasn't a mistake of me to put that in here. Yeah, but well, I, It's going to be a TV show, much. did you hear? get out of here and then i then i just basically read the entire second volume of jessica jones and i'm current cool great book it was it, it was really very is. good it was so, very yeah. good all right well we're longer than we normally go so i say we uh blow through some of this news here get it so marvel studios is planting seeds that could lead to young avengers this was a story that talked about uh, apparently ant-man and wasp uh, which comes out this week uh, which has Cassie Lang in it. Um, it's been noted that 16-year-old actress Emma Furman has been cast as Cassie in Avengers 4. So people are 
thinking that the seeds have been planted, that she could grow into a, a young Avengers thing. And this is sort of a, a, I think this is cool. Number one, because this is, you know, an area where, where people ask me, cause they just assume I know everything of nerd stuff at work of, you know, what could they do beyond the Avengers? And I'm like, well, there was like the young Avengers and the West coast Avengers and the new Avengers. Like they easily could just make more characters and form new teams. And we would all love to go see the movies of them. So, you know, perhaps young Avengers will be the first thing that sort of springs out of that. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm down for that. Well, I mean, I, likewise. All right. And you need to explain to me uh, the Wolfman's Got Narge trailer. You didn't, okay. Have you ever heard of a movie called Monster Squad? No. <sighs> so this is a movie that I – do. You, did you have HBO as a kid? Uh, I doubt it. Unless you we had it, it like illegally on the black box. Did you have any, any like movie channels? Uh, our area was very poor. <laughs> well, anyway, so <laughs> we had the illegal black box that got like some channels, but yeah, I don't remember watching anything like this. Okay. But did you, did you have a situation where in the summer when you were home from school, you, you, I'm sure you were probably working in the coal mines, but when, when, <laughs> when you, when you, when you were not, when they would replay the same movie over and over and over again. Did okay. you have this experience? Anything? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. So, HBO, 1987. I'm a child. And uh, I realized, were you even alive in 87? Yeah, I was two. Okay. So they used to play this movie called Monster Squad Ad Nauseum, which is Latin for a lot. So it's a, it's a movie about these kids, and they are inadvertently challenged by Dracula, the Wolfman, Frankenstein, basically the creature from the Black Lagoon, and the mummy in their little t- – in uh, Baton Rouge is where they are in this movie, okay? Okay. I probably saw this movie 20 times one summer, maybe more. No one's heard of it. 30 years later, there's a documentary about how this movie has really picked up so – I hope you're Googling it. Is that what I hear? Mm-hmm. That <laughs> people have made this into a major cult classic. This has been such a huge – love letter to people who knew it from back in the day and who learned about it either then or later on and this and that and the other and discovered it through, like I said, HBO or, or, or other things like this. There's a documentary that's being shopped around the festival circuit now, um, and I want to see it. The point of the, of the title, by the way, is at one point in the movie, Wolfman is facing off against one of the children, and one of the kids goes to the other, kick him in the nards, and the kid goes, Wolfman doesn't have nards, and he goes, do it. And the kid kicks, kicks him in the balls and takes down the wolf man. That happened. <laughs> that happened in a scene in this movie. So I just it, – it, it scratches some itch to see that line again as an adult and to know that movie is somehow still around. So not necessarily comics but nerd enough that I felt it important to bring it up here. Okay. That's all. You really should. If you can find it somewhere – you really ought to watch it, dude. It's it's just so funny that that's that that's happening. Well, I uh, I approve of this. Oh well, I hope you enjoy it. I'll find the VHS and I'll uh, check it out. That's part of the actually the joke, and, and the, there's a trailer. <laughs> there, there's a trailer and the link I put on there that you should watch just to give you a sense of what this is all about. I will do that. I promise you. So, it's all a boot. So I've got these next two stories in here. Uh, not so much to talk about this issue because I'm not going to spoil anything myself. So, but our thoughts on, once again, the, the 
a big comics story and this time being Batman and Catwoman's wedding, which is set to happen Wednesday and Batman number 50 written by Tom King was spoiled by the New York times. Like the headline straight up spoiled what happens in the book. The article went deep into it. There's been a lot of back and forth, uh, online. Tom King was, you know, not really happy about it. A lot of comics people are not happy about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's a way of DC getting the word out there to people who, you know, wouldn't otherwise wouldn't see it. I mean, you, you don't expect super nerds to be picking up the New York times, but in, in today's world, that's, that's going to be linked everywhere. Like it, to me, it makes no sense. You've got this, you've been teeing up this big, huge wedding event, um, for quite a while now. And then you just uh, spoil the whole thing with a New York times article on a Sunday night. So I guess my thought is, uh, my, my question is, uh, your thoughts on the whole spoilery aspect of this. It seems like a whole waste. Um, I agree with you. And also, this is so coincidental that, you know, you, maybe you read this as well, uh, last week where Kitty Pride and Colossus were supposed to get married in the X-Men, and mm-hmm. that was spoiled. They also did not get married, and that was put out ahead of time. It wound up being Rogue and Gambit, whatever. Uh, you know, I go back and forth on that. There's a part of me that wanted to find my Christmas gifts as a child, and you did, and you're like, well, now what? That's how I feel about stuff like this, where you, on some level, you want to know what's going to happen ahead of time. You want to be, you know, able to scoop before it hits. But when you do, well, then what are you supposed to do? Yeah. And also, the the reason they didn't get married is so lame. And she's, yeah, I don't want to spoil the whole thing for someone that might hear this, but well, and, it's coming out. It's it's going to come out after we. But huh. here's the and and if if DC pushes this as a way to get non-readers and, you know, get the word out to a, a wider audience. You know, I'm someone that that reads one specific book of theirs that knew very little of the Batman-Catwoman relationship that has been going on in, in King's version. You know, I I picked up the the prelude to the wedding of, of Damien, which I enjoyed and talked about on this show. Um, I was interested in what a marriage would do to Damien's psyche to have, you know, a, a new stepmom. Um, to have the, the thought of them having a kid to, to disrupt him being the, the only child of Bruce. Um, I picked up the, the Batman annual that, that talked about their, the whole book was about their relationship. I was probably on the cusp of, you know, on comiXology on Wednesday, just buying this thing to read through it. And now I kind of have zero interest in doing so because <laughs> I know the story. Like I'm not buying it digitally as a collective collector's item, you know, like I, cause I wanted to read it. But now that I've, basically got the entire gist of it what the what's the point so you know you lost uh i assume it's 3.99 4.99 you lost four or five bucks dc i mean i'm with you well let's uh let's zip this up with a a nice story that funko uh you know the great toys that no one has had enough of yet is Hmm. creating the funko cereal which is coming this summer so did you read this yes have you seen this so it's but it's available like in random places, Funko, right? So it's going to be at like Hot Topic mm-hmm. and other places of F Y E and Hot. So you got to go to the mall to get it. F Y E, who the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got Mega Man. Looks pretty cool. We got we got Cuphead and and Mugman. Who is this, by the way? <laughs> I have no idea who it is, but it looks pretty cool uh, as okay. well. Okay, so I saw this when I was at, at uh, Midtown Comics on Saturday. I was like, there were shirts of this character. I'm like, 
who are you? And then we got Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Gollum, and uh, just something called Funkos, which is my favorite of them all. Because it, it, <laughs> Freddy Funkos. Because it because it, it doesn't need any backstory. It, it just is what it is. And also, they're saying that like they, it's so fun because these cereals will color your milk, which is like. We're going to take your milk and make it into sugar water, <laughs> basically. But, I love how know. the Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees ones are just like blood red. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 some I'm, strawberry milk. I'm with you. And also, Cupman and Mugman's also blood. <laughs> uh, so, I kind of want to get a box of these to try at some point. So do I. So if you could pick only one, what would you pick? Oh, man. The Freddy Krueger one looks pretty cool. Cuphead Mugman looks cool. I mean, I think out of these... I mean, I grew up playing a lot of Mega Man in my day. I think Mega Man would be pretty cool to have. I, I that was a good misdirect. The way you did not talk about it, then led into it. Mm-hmm. I would do Mega Man because also, did you remember this show? It was a cartoon. You might have been too young for this in the eighties and nineties. Uh, Super in like Game Master. It, it was like all the Nintendo characters in a cartoon together. Like Link was there. Mega Man was there. Anything on this? Uh, Captain N, the Game Master? Yes, that's right. Yeah. I feel like so, I, I don't remember watching it when I was younger, but I do remember seeing this. I, I Mega Man was my favorite. Uh, Icarus was in the show oh, as well. Oh, Icarus? Yeah. Nice. Uh, I but that So I like that. But also, I, I'm, again, pretty Funko. I like the idea. <laughs> I just think it's great. And does it come with the Funko in the box? It that's seems as though it's a prize, yeah. Like a tiny one. Do you remember... Cereal prizes. Yeah, it was great. Now they're back in the form of Funko Pops. God. <laughs> I just, it just, it just, I just, you know, I don't know. Also, this just in, I got to think about, um, I'm not sure where this ran. Something about the Infinity Brunch from the Sabrina Cafe, where it's located. Google this, please. SabrinaCafe.com. They have what's called the Infinity Brunch. And here are your choices. You can get these Thanos special nachos, which is a fried corn tortilla topped with refried black beans, grilled chicken, fried poblano pepper strips, dice, mango, pepper, jack, cheese, pico de gallo, sour cream, and avocado. Okay. Captain America's special breakfast, which is grilled artichokes under tomatoes and asparagus strata, whatever that is, with arugula, mixed green salad, tossed in champagne, lemon vinaigrette, served with crispy tazo ham, sunny side eggs up, and uh, tomato chimichurri. Mm. The Hulk's Vegan Brunch, which doesn't make any sense to me, red quinoa mixed with baby arugula, roasted Brussels sprouts, sliced cremini mushrooms. Is that how you say it? Cremini? Cremini. Cremini. Red <laughs> onions dressed with vegan uh, lemon roasted with garlic vinaigrette. That's $12, by the way. Black Widow's Nexi Special. Avocado halves stuffed with scrambled eggs, spiced ground beef, and black beans topped with a yellow cheddar queso. Pico de gallo and served with spiced fried potato wedges. That sounds good. Groot's special egg white omelet, which my friend argued should be the vegan one. Roasted curry eggplant, red onions, fresh spinach, fried chickpeas, and feta cheese. Choice of toast or homies. I like homies as a thing. Mm-hmm. Black Panther special sandwich. I feel like your server. Uh, warned pita, grilled turkey meatloaf stuffed with feta cheese, roasted peppers, and olives served with uh, tzatziki, plum tomato, Spanish onions, and fresh spinach, and choice of fries. And finally, Iron Man's special French toast. Coconut and almond-encrusted French toast topped with whipped lemon, raspberry ricotta, and warm chocolate grenache. That sounds good as well. Which would you pick? 
Depends what time of day it is. It's brunch time, baby. Well, it's also served daily till four p.m. Yeah, I might, <laughs> I, I might get, I might say, give me the Iron Man's French toast first. Let's stay a while and have some uh, mimosas, and then before I leave, bring out the Black Widow's Mexi special. I mean, I'm a sucker for avocado. Big time sucker. Yeah, avocado toast all the way. I mean, it's like my dad. <laughs> my dad is just not learned about it. I'm like, Dad, it's kind of over. That's been <laughs> for a couple of years here, Father. Uh, anyway, that's really not here. You know, there. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here, but I feel also that, like, you know, we got shit happening. This was a big week. Yeah, read a lot of books. A lot of news came out, and we've got two new number ones for next week: Catwoman and Low Life's number one. So uh, tune in next week and hit us up on TooManyComics.com.